0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Welcome everybody, welcome everybody online, um, any, any visitors, seasonal people back, glad that you're here. Uh, we have been on this journey through the book of Revelation and we're stepping into verse, or verse uh, chapter 10 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we always encourage everyone to bring their paper Bible and their journal and uh, to get back to kind of the basics and uh, get rid of the distractions. So I hope you'll find your way to Revelation 10 um, this morning. Let me just pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray you'll increase our hunger, our desire for your word, Lord, as the psalmist says, Lord, may it be as sweet as honey on our lips, Lord. May the taste of your word, Lord, be our great delight. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and do that. Increase again among your people, Lord, today especially. Lord, a fresh hunger for your word. Lord, we hear so much. We are bombarded with so many things today, Father. Um, Lord, I pray that we can just shed those things, Lord, and be a people of your word, a people hungry for your word and desiring to hear you, Lord, right into our hearts. Give us ears to hear now, Lord, what your spirit has to say through the word of God this morning. Lord, we expect, Lord, we know you promise you're among us supernaturally working on our souls and our hearts. Um, Lord, may we be people to receive and to hear from you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter 10 of Revelation. I just encourage you, if you're just stepping in here to join us on this journey, you can go back. All the messages are there online on our webpage. Uh, because, boy, you know, this—this this, uh, uh, getting in to understand this book, it's hard to just drop in without a larger context. Every now and then, I'll step back and kind of review the big picture this morning. I'm just diving right into 10. Uh, uh, just kind of the context here, though is that we have looked at the first seven seal judgments that uh, our Lord took he, uh, off the scroll and, and has rolled out these. We saw were the birth pains, things that have happened throughout history that should be a wake-up call to people to look to God and to see what He is doing and to seek Him, to realize that this creation is grumbling, that the whole world uh, is, is waiting for a Savior, that, that we need to look. Man cannot solve these problems. We must look to God. And, uh, and then the, the seventh seal opens us up into the seven trumpet judgments, and things start to vamp up here. And this morning we have this little interlude. Chapter 10 is this kind of interlude, a, a kind of a, a stop before we move into um, the final judgments, which are the bowl judgments. And uh, this is where we're just, the whole book of Revelation moves us quickly to the day of the Lord when Jesus promised he would return. And uh, this morning, as I say in chapter 10, this is this interlude, this is stepping back, it's for John, he's getting a renewal of his call to prophesy and bring the message to the world as things move to the end. And so uh, I just have two questions for us this morning, we're going to talk about being messengers of hope. Um, that's our calling along with John's we're going to see that uh, John who was a pastor also uh, operated in the prophetic um, are things that we uh, are to be a people with a message uh, and to be a a nation as as we see things happen we're to encourage and strengthen each other to um, take hold of the word and what God is saying and bring that message of hope the gospel uh, out to the world so uh, two questions this morning, and we're going to dive into, and basically this breaks this chapter up um, with these two questions, and I hope you'll take these uh, and really take some time to listen to the Lord uh, on these two questions. Is our message of hope big and bold enough to captivate the technological mind today? It's a big question. Is our message of hope big and bold enough to captivate The technological mind of today. And uh, what I'm going to advocate is, in the first part of this, chapter 10, we're going to see this grand and glorious, the mystery of God, the mystery of the gospel. Uh, And for most of us, a lot of us have been trained just with one little slice of the gospel. And when we share it, it's just this one little slice rather than this holistic, beautiful answer to everything in the world and people's souls that we need, especially in this day. And we'll get into this a little bit, just uh, how the world is, is uh, changing the meta-narrative, right? Changing the narrative of the story we live in. Um, so that's the first question. The second one is, Are if we're going to be messengers of hope, we must be captivated by the message of hope. And that would be the big question for us. Are we captivated by the message of the gospel today? We're not going to be much use, right, bringing hope to people's lives if we ourselves are not captivated by what Christ has done for us and what he's done through the Father and the Son throughout history, right, of bringing all things together. What is this overarching big message, right, of the gospel? And we will uh, dive in on that, uh, and this is what chapter 10 is all about. So I'm just going to jump right in here. Chapter 10 of the book of Revelation. John says, then I saw another mighty angel coming down. So, uh, just real quick here. The book of Revelation, remember, this is absolutely critical to understand. You cannot read. This is apocalyptic language. It's vision, prophetic vision given to the Apostle Paul, right? To give as a prophetic message, as the written word of God, to churches to hear the word of God, to own it, and to give it out, right? And it is not chronological. Our Western mind—we want to read it like this is a story. This happens, and this happens, and this happens. That is not how this works. These are, are uh, uh, um, our uh, insight that John gets right from heaven to write down, and they piece together. And we need to realize that it's not chronological. It's this larger. Uh, message. And sometimes we step back in history to get perspective and sometimes we move forward right, with the chronology towards the end. This is kind of a, a, a a step back and take a moment before we move quickly into the last things vamping up with the bold judgments in the world. This is a stepping back and a refreshing, even as we're going to see of of John's own mission to uh, prophesy to nations and peoples. In other words, to get them ready, even more so as the end um, draws near. And so, here we have John. Remember, John's on the island of Patmos. He's exiled there. He's persecuted. He's been sent out there. It is uh, on that isle that, uh, that John heard and uh, recorded these, um, uh, these prophetic messages uh, from the Lord. Then I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun. His head and his face uh, were like the sun. His legs were like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land. He called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. You might just write down Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-nine. Uh, And it says all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, it tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things He reveals belong to us. And folks, that is an important understanding uh, throughout all of Scripture, understand that there are things in heaven. God is going to reveal certain things at certain times to us. Throughout eternity, he'll reveal more and more because God's eternal. He's all-knowing. And um, there's certain times. We even know in the book of Daniel or think God says, seal that up. There's a time for that, but not now. And that's what happens here to John. We see in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, same thing with Paul. When he had a vision of what was going on in heaven, he was told, seal that up. Don't say uh, that until a later time. And uh, we're going to talk here about understanding what the Bible means by the mystery of God. This mystery that um, is spoken about all through the New Testament. It says, seal those up, do not write them down. Verse 5, the angel who I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, and the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the seventh trumpet, we've already looked at the first six, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Now you might just write down there the next chapter, chapter 11, verse 15, when the seventh trumpet does blow in the next chapter, it says, um, verse 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. Saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Now this gives incredible insight into what is this grand mystery. What is the grand purpose of God ultimately from the very beginning of history right to the very end. And ultimately it is to bring all things in heaven and all things on earth back together again. In the garden with the fall. And uh, with the the bringing in of sin and death into this world, heaven was separated. The presence of God, his holy presence in the angel was separated from what was on earth. And uh, and God has been in the business of restoring, redeeming this creation. That's why he needs to renew this creation. And he's begun that process throughout all of history by first. The first fruits is your heart and my heart is for the Holy Spirit to come and redeem Uh, people, brothers and sisters, the family of God. So that new creation begins right in the heart of God. And as the end comes, as we're going to see here, it's the renewing of all things and the bringing down of heaven right in earth together. And uh, let me read verse 7 back to chapter 10. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, Uh, And by the way, his servants, the prophets, uh, that is all the prophets of the Old Testament who prophesied the kingdom of God into the New Testament. The prophets in the New Testament, not the Old Testament prophets, but the New Testament prophets who were writing the word of God. And the prophets, remember, in the New Testament, it's uh, uh, because of the giving of the Holy Spirit now, right? God says in Joel 2, as well as in Acts 2, right, is all of his people should operate as prophets And we see going to the end of Revelation and throughout all Revelation is this is part of coming into our identity. This is part of the blessing of embracing uh, the book of Revelation is to realize we're to be messengers of hope. We're to be a prophetic people hearing the word of God, seeing what God is doing throughout history and moving forward and bringing this glorious message of hope, explaining the glorious mystery of God. Now, what is the mystery of God? Is we think of mystery, we think of something that is unclear, unknown, and uh, in the Bible, um, God uses the idea of mystery. It's not something um, that is that we can't pursue. It is something that God has hidden, right, so that it can be sought, so He can reveal it. Does that make sense? It's not something that stays hidden. The mystery of God, of what he's doing throughout history, is something that he hides. Just like when Jesus taught parables, when he spoke to a crowd of people, of seekers, of, uh, of people who were interested in what was going on, he didn't just say, hey gang, here's what's going to happen. Here's who I am, and here, here it goes, da 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 It's That's not how he did it. He told parables, didn't he? And what was the reason when he told his disciples? He says, to you, I've given the understanding of these, right? But to others... I speak in parables, so simply the point of it was, is to awaken hunger. Who's hungry to seek God? Who's going to ask, seek, and knock, and therefore God will come and bring revelation? And what needs to happen in the church is an awakening of the hunger of the Word of God to hear God, to understand that the promise in Daniel and other places, as we get closer to the end, God will reveal more of His mystery, more of the glorious gospel of what God is doing, has been doing throughout all history, and what He's going to do in the end. But He's looking for a hungry people, He's looking for a prophetic people, right, who want to hear the voice of God uh, through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and then be messengers of hope, right, with the glory, right, of the gospel itself. And uh, uh, the gospel is much larger than just the message, right, that we often give with the forgiveness of sins. Oh, that's a really important part of it, but it's uh, a lot bigger than that. And, um, and so I, I think part of this, is, this question is, uh, is the message of hope. Is our message big and bold enough to engage, right, to captivate this technological mind, This Western mind now that is being, um, honestly, uh, and now has for decades been taught and conformed to a certain way of thinking, right, and understanding. And for the church today, we've got to engage that in a new and fresh way. So um, many of you, well, let me just uh, go, I think I have Ephesians on here uh, to describe this more. This idea of this mystery of God. You'll see this through Paul's writings in the New Testament. And um, this is what he says in Ephesians 1. We could go to many places. Uh, You could write down the very end of the book of Romans. Uh, Paul Paul talks about it. But here he says in Ephesians 1, 7 through 9. In him, in God, the fullness of God, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There's the grand purpose of God, that he's been working throughout history. It's this meta-narrative, this larger story This big story, right, that we are to fit in to make sense of our belief, to make sense of life, to make sense of why we're here, to make sense of all the big questions in the world, it's this larger story of what God is doing where we can make sense of life and understand our purpose and our relationship with God himself. And so it raises this huge question for us, is what's the bigger story that we're living in? What's the bigger story we're living in? Now, here's the reality of what's going on today. And maybe some of you have studied and heard this, but you know, we've moved out of a modern era into a postmodern era, and, um, and we're now moving into a whole new era. Right? Where we have rejected and your kids and you, many of you in school, have, have been subtly or maybe not so subtly taught. There is no more meta-narratives. There's no larger story in the world around a God who has a purpose for you and for the world. Uh, we're on our own and we, as our humans, create our own story. We create our own future. It's in our hands. This is what your kids are taught. This is what you've probably been taught. And so it's a rejection of any meta narrative. Again, is this larger, bigger story, right? Um, and matter of fact, I think I have a definition. A meta narrative, because maybe you've never heard that terminology before, it's an overarching account or interpretation of events and circumstances that provide a pattern or structure for people's beliefs, giving meaning to their experiences. Right, it's it's something to understand this world we're in. It is the way we understand the deepest questions of our heart. Well, our culture, are, uh, has blown that all up, right? And um, and what we're doing right now is in our technological age is is that we are replacing any meta narrative with um, with a story that is again just with God at the, at the very center of that and. Um, and it's it, today. Pretty much, the message over and over again is dehumanizing your children and you, desensitizing you. Um, and I could go on and on. And is to actually uh, make your heart cold, right towards the the real issues. To dehumanize, desensitize to where the heart goes cold, and really we're left with this technological kind of mechanical, no difference between a machine and a computer than in a human idea. It's happening quicker than you would ever realize. And that's a rejection of the meta That's the rejection of the larger story that has has moved through all cultures and all, all, of all time uh, to a whole new era. We have the metaverse now, right? Which is a calling of you and the world into a virtual reality to create a life of your own in another right, reality. Uh, just a little history but this last week I don't know if you read in the news but China um, declared the person of the year as an AI computer generated person that was the person of the year and most people when they saw her it was a her, or her whatever it was a computer program is that uh, they couldn't tell if it was a human or not that's where this is going the technology is there right to create actors and others that you can't tell any longer because of the AI technology, right, in all that. And I guess she was more efficient at getting things done than a real human, right? Uh, This is where things are going, folks. Um, And uh, that should not be surprises from China uh, because China has no, listen to me very carefully, has no regard for the sanctity of life. They have no regard for the sanctity of a human being. They continue to go deeper into totalitarianism. They continue to go deeper into the abuse of human rights and the abuse of their own people. Even as this week, I'll just give you one example of Pastor Yi. And he pastors a large um, unregistered church, kind of underground church there in China. um, And he's been put in jail serving a nine-year sentence for preaching the gospel. His wife is held in house arrest. You can't even have fellowship with other people in the church. That's one of millions examples of China's uh, hard line, right, of where they're headed in this whole thing. And uh, if I can tell you, I- I'm sure that you probably know that their influence in our country is far greater than you would ever, ever, ever realize, right? And um, around the world today right, is there's more persecution of belief, religious belief, especially Christian uh, belief, than ever in the history of the world. It's on an increase. Matter of fact, in just a matter of months, the increase, and this isn't just a a thing in China. This is a thing in Canada. If you're seeing what's going on in Canada, the totalitarian aspect of rejecting and press, I mean, it's, it's it's, it's almost unbelievable what's happening. There are uh, municipalities in our own nation that are considering, right, shutting down certain religious freedoms and beliefs, right? Um, it's, it's coming quick, folks. And um, I give you these things not to fear about, but to have, again, wide open eyes. God, what are you doing? What's happening? And folks, this is around the world. Uh, anybody watching what's going on in Australia? Who would have ever thought that kind of totalitarian radical control and with that comes great insecurity, great abuse of freedom just going down the line and that rolls over to ultimately religious uh, persecution. Right? In all that. And so folks, this this idea of what bigger story are we living in? And because you've been trained, your kids are being trained, every bit of media is coming into your world to move you to this place of dehumanizing, desensitizing, and and living a technological kind of existence. Right? Your dependence. And we all do this more than we'd ever realize. We all live under, we are tethered to that phone. Right? And how did that happen? Right, your whole life will be on it. It is impossible to live without it now in our country. It's impossible to hold a job or anything else. Um, we could we could get into all that. One little thing, just a little idea, folks, that would be really great to change. And and uh, well, I'll get to that in just a minute. But let me just say on this. Let me end with this. Matthew thirteen forty four. And uh, folks, we this larger. If we're going to be messengers of hope in this day and age, we have to be captivated. Right By this, by this message, and understand how grand and glorious it is. When you break down that meta-narrative, the gospel, the mystery of the gospel what God has been doing. if that's not my story, I'm living in. And think about the Bible. How, why does it say remember? Remember what God has done. Give the testimony of what God has done. Testify of what God has done in Egypt. And why did he tell the Jews every Passover? Remember what God has done. Remember the lamb that was slain. And for the church, why does he tell us every time you gather, whether it's as a large group or as you gather in your microchurch in your home, to break bread remembering the death. Remember, remember, you're a part of a larger glorious story of God of what he's been doing throughout history. And it is where everything, all of your beliefs make sense. And everything now, we're moving to a, a, an era where there is a, a full-on battle against that larger story. A full-on breaking down of every bit of that structure from Genesis to, uh, to Revelation, where we're, where we're at. The question is, are we going to stand? Are you ready to stand for Jesus like Pastor Yee when that comes? And that's a big, radical question, right? Without the sealing of the Holy Spirit, we can't stand. Talked about that last week. And it's a matter of getting ready. How do we get ready? Right? We grow in our being captivated by the glorious story of what Christ has done for me. Uh, He's the one who makes sense of all of our heart's desires in this larger, right, glorious story of the gospel. Jesus tells us this kingdom parable. It says the kingdom of heaven. And folks, any time you see in the New Testament this idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is speaking of this larger plan of God. What he's preparing for us in heaven. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. What we just read in chapter 11, 14 is the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God. Or as God is bringing his kingdom, his reign, his justice, his love right to this world. And uh, so Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. He covered it up. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It was his treasure. And I think there's a strong question we have to ask. What's our treasure? Is the kingdom of heaven, is the glory of the gospel, is it truly our treasure? Are we grow, are growing more in the glory of its vastness, of, its, uh, of its, the, the revealing of the mystery of what God is doing, how he has redeemed me and I live within that story. I can live under the testimonies of all of the Bible, old and new. Um, 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that all uh, Christ, uh, God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. All of the blessings and testimonies of God because you're a child of God and they belong to you. If you know him and you've been grafted in and saved under this glorious uh, mystery of God. Right down in Revelation 19.10. It says that the testimony of Jesus right, is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in this grand mystery of God is that any message, any message of hope is a testimony of Jesus and true prophecy, right? Giving, uh, giving out to encourage, to exhort, right? To uh, comfort people, which were... Uh commanded to do in 1 Corinthians 14 is to have at, at its core a testimony of Jesus. What he's been doing. What he's done in this larger bigger story to not just redeem my soul but to redeem the entire world to bring a new creation and a fulfillment right of all things right, together again. And the book of Revelation, why it's the one that gives us, it comes with the only radical blessing of all the books is because it brings this larger story to bear a, a Of understanding what God is doing in the world. What he's done in my heart. And what he's doing in the world. Right? For his ultimate completion. And so Jesus just tells this parable again. Right? To awaken desire. Where's our treasure? And secondly, what am I willing to pay? What am I willing to give up? There's a couple things here. Number one, Jesus gives this kingdom parable. Right? To fit right here into Revelation. In the sense of, man, am I seeking God will not keep something from you. He he, he promises those who ask, seek, and knock, He will fulfill. He will answer. Uh, that's the incredible promise all through the Bible. He's looking for those who are seeking Him, truly hungry for His voice, and He will come and He will bless, right, in a big way. And so it begins right there. Are we seeking the will of God? Are we seeking His truth, right? In other words, are we looking to Him for the answers in my own soul as well as in the world with all the craziness going on? Or am I being sucked into right, the things of the world? Right? The breaking down, the deconstruction of this larger story of God. And folks, I I mean, I don't have time to get into. I could walk you through the history of our nation just in the last few decades and show how we as Americans, as a nation, have gone specifically at tearing down piece by piece by piece of God's wonderful story of what He's doing. Rejecting it at every point. God will not sit back. He's not going to sit back and just let that continue. Um, and nor will he in China or anywhere else in the world. We see it around the world. It's a global issue now. And um, we're right in the thick of it right here now. Again, we'll get more into the, the uh, this details as we move into this book. Um, I, I'm not convinced, you know, who, it could be another 1,000 years. We don't know. But today is, is 1,000 years to the Lord but what we do know what we can say with all confidence is folks when we this book the deeper we get into revelation man it's going to pop open you're going to be like wow it's happening what we can say right today is it is happening now now whether there'll be a period of grace that comes in to extend I don't know but what i can say with all confidence is everything globally is in place for this to happen now it's happening. The question is how much it's going to accelerate. The bigger question, as Jesus said, is long for my coming church. And be ready. Matthew 24, be ready, encourage, strengthen each other, right? Wake up. And is there a desire to seek his understanding? Is there a desire to embrace revelation? Or to, oh, I can't deal with the wrath issue. Whoa, I can't. And it gets, as I said before, chapter 6 is where most people bail out. It's where most churches bail out. It's why it's not taught. It's why it is kind of, you know, step back from because you have to deal with ultimate issues here um, that are coming alive, right? Even, even more. To keep our head in the sand, you will be swept away by a culture that is quickly forming your mind, your children's mind, more than you ever, ever realize. And so again, when it comes to treasure, what am I seeking, Lord? And what am I willing What am I willing to give up for the kingdom of God? Right? To have the peace of God. Right? And so this big question again, well, is our message big and bold enough to capture, to captivate the technological mind today? Folks, unless unless I'm seeing the vast, unless I'm seeing all the pieces connect together, what God has been doing from the beginning to the end, that things, the the revelation is just bringing the entire Bible to bear. You realize that every bit of revelation is everything from the Old Testament, and it's bringing it all to bear to bring together the fullness of what God is doing. It's amazing. And it should encourage the church, it should encourage us, right, of our Savior, our Lord, that He is our peace, He's our comfort, He's got this all in His hands, um, that I'm willing to make a stand. That's my treasure. I'm willing to give all for Him and for that. No matter what lie of some metaverse or some other thing comes my way, I'm willing, right, to, to stand. This is my place to stand, right here. And this book is here to strengthen and equip the church, Right to not be taken by surprise when when these things happen, but to realize, Lord, let's encourage and strengthen each other as, as these things um, happen. All right, let's move on to the next uh, next section here. And this big question: If we're going to be messengers of hope, we must be captivated by the gospel message of hope. Man, are we captivated? What does it look like to be captivated? By this message of hope, this mystery of God, this glorious gospel of what God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been doing from the beginning. Ever since the fall in the garden, um, they've been unleashing their redemptive plan in the world. In this larger meta narrative story, the story of God and His creation, right? Um, to bring all things right back together again. And uh, verse uh, 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and the land. And so I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will um, make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Now this goes back to Ezekiel chapter 2. If you want to go find the Old Testament background uh, of this, uh, just read Ezekiel chapter 2. and also, Psalm 119 uh, tells us that uh, the psalmist says that, man, the word of God is like sweeter than honey in my mouth. And uh, the, um, the weeping prophet Jeremiah, the word of God was sweet to him, but his message he gave and the result of his message to, to uh, Israel that would not listen to him was bitter, right? And... Uh, it says, and I took the little scroll from his hand and from the angel, and I ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So this is a restoration of John's prophetic message and getting these and the, really the rest of the book of Revelation to realize now we're moving into, as this last trumpet goes, the last bowls, this is the end. This is where the kingdoms, this is the full-on consummation of the kingdom, right, the end of the day of the Lord. Um, God's final thing. And um, uh, the tragedy in this. Though we hold on to the glory. The word of God and his goodness is sweet as honey. Because we have the promises of God. and, And forgiveness and redemption. Eternal life. All of these things are a blessing. There is a bitterness. And especially it grows as we move towards the end of uh, of time. And this is what we're struggling with as a people, especially in America. We haven't had to deal with this aspect of the gospel and the reality of people's rejection and continual pushing back against, not just pushing back, not just kind of being apathetic when it comes to the things of God but actually rejecting it and putting policy and other things um, that uh, against it actually being radically hostile to it and this is why the restoration of John's prophetic message was hey watch out from here on out it's gonna it's gonna be tough because because of that rejection and towards the end because God's a just and holy God he must unleash his wrath, which is being just, bringing the just payment to the rejection of the gospel itself. And uh, this is where the weeping comes in. And folks, think about the heart of God and, um, in this whole thing. And I, I, I have just two questions I want us to dive into um, here as we close out this section. Folks, what breaks your heart? What moves you to re- weeping? This is deep stuff because right now, you know what, we, uh, I believe most of the church is actually angry about what has happened. And we know, James tells us that the anger of man never brings about the righteousness of God. Now Jesus, who's the, the one who breathed all creation into place, the Savior of the world, when he came into Jerusalem and they spit on him and they rejected him, the one who created them, what did he do? What was his response? His response was it tells us in multiple places that he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over and and he he tells us in, in multiple places in the Gospels that he wept. He says, oh, if you would have known the time of your visitation, if you would have known what made for peace, you would have received me. And what I challenge us to think about is, boy, are we getting the heart of God on this? As messengers of hope, with that message comes a weeping, a bitterness. That there is going to be an increase, as time goes on, of a rejection against the gospel and a rejection of you. A hostility towards you. you. Are you able to stand? And what we're finding right now in the church is that, no, you have some who are waffling and just diving into the progressive, just caving on the Bible and the truth and the word of God. And you have others, right, who are just angry and and who are trying to fight back, right, with anger rather than the heart of God. And uh, and this this is a very tough time right now. It's a huge shift, huge transition that's going on in our culture, right, and in the entire world, ultimately. And it comes back to, are we going to stand? Are we going to get the heart of God? Can we have a, 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 being captive by the glory of a message, the glory of his grand story? He's got this in, ha- in hand. My commitment ultimately is to the word of God. And by the way, Pastor Yi in, um, in China, he's one of the few. He, w- he was public. He's like, I'm not hiding. I don't see anybody in the Bible ever, ever hiding and being secret. He put his sermons out there on YouTube. He told the Chinese government. He said, listen, I'm a, I, I, uh, I, I love my nation. But I love my Lord even more. And I must obey Him first and foremost. Folks, I I mean, wow. Right out of the Bible, right? Is what the apostles say in the book of Acts. Constantly, remember, this book of Revelation for John, it was written at a time where the world power was Rome. Who was called Babylon, the spirit of the Antichrist that was in Babylon, moved into Rome, right? And it was a culture that thought they're the ones, Pac Romana, who brought the peace to the world, who had all power to solve all issues. And what happened in this is when John's writing this, right? The church he's writing to, specifically in Asia, moved into incredible times of persecution. And it was a clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Rome, the kingdom of the world, right? Pressing in, and it came to emperor worship. Oh, well, you're not going to come bring some incense and give honor to, uh, to the king? You know, then where are you going to lose your head? Right? Or you're going to be burned at the stake. Some of the most horrific time of, of persecution and was the church. John as a pastor was, was pleading with his church, are you Ready? Church, are you ready to stand for your king? Or are you going to give in, right, to the powers of the world? Well, Revelation says it's the same spirit of Babylon, same spirit of Rome. It's the same spirit that is going to be in the world power, one main world power that has allegiances in the end, right, that is going to be this clash. And folks, never in the history of time, um, in all of history of the world, do we have more of that scenario happening right now, right now. The question is, where are we going to stand? Are we going to have God's eyes on this? And and it brings this aspect to, to weeping. is um, People are going to reject it. And do we have the heart of God to, to weep over our city, weep over our nation? God, please open their eyes. And we'll see, even in here, there's still a remnant. God always has grace. He has a moment until the very end. Right? Where there is a time where that's... There is no more grace. Judgment comes. People have set their hearts one way or the other of what they're going to believe and what they're going to stand upon, right? And as we get deeper in here, we'll see that there's only two marks. Either you're going to be marked by the seal of God as a child of God, known publicly, by the way, that's a public thing. I stand for Jesus like Pastor Ye did. A public thing is Jesus is my first allegiance, no more than, more than any other nation, no more anybody else. I follow God, not the world, right? That's the seal, or the other seal is no. I take the mark of the beast. I take the mark of the world power. Right, I'm going to obey them and follow them. That's what sets the tone. Ultimately, as we see, as we get closer and closer, is that your people are pushed into, and we've seen this throughout history. John, the in and Rome, and boy, in Asia, that was it. The church was pushed to which, which are you going to be with the emperor? You going to be with the beast in Rome? You going to stand there, or are you going to stand with Jesus? Is going to come down to a decision of allegiance of who, whose who's are you? Which story are you living under? Whose do you belong to? Who do you have faith in? Do you have faith in the world? In the kingdoms of the world? Do you have faith in, in Jesus to stand right with Him ultimately? That's where it's all going. The question right now I want us to think about it, is this idea of I mean, it, it, because I think we all are angry. It's easy to get angry. and wonderful. This is crazy what's going on. Who would have ever thought in our lifetime, even our own nation, is that people would be questioned for believing what the Bible says. That by the way, set the foundation of this country that is the primary result of why we have the blessings we have. Unbelievable. Who would have ever thought that? Right? But now you can't even refer to this. Folks, that shows how powerful and dark. And it shows this is not some political thing going on. Folks, this is a spiritual thing. So what the book of Revelation said, it's a spiritual thing. You're not going to solve it in politics. Folks, let me tell you, we need to be involved in every area. Right? As individuals, citizens, go for it. But I'm telling you, though, there is no solution. The main solution for this is, as God's people, is to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And, and to have Jesus' response. Can I lay my anger down and weep? Just weep. Weep for the destruction of people who have bought alive their identity that is destroying their life. Weep over, over people that just don't want anything to do with God's larger story in their life. That will move us into the heart of God and help us to be mentioned of hope, to bring the answer, to bring the one whose arms are open wide to anybody who will turn and, and, and step into uh The arms of God and receive the free gift of Jesus, His His glorious, His salvation. Last uh, encouragement for us, folks, is this. Focus on the face in front of you. I've been thinking about this for a while. Focus on the face in front of you. There's a reason why the Bible says Jesus came at just the right time. He didn't come in the technological age. That should really resonate with you. How did Jesus minister? Did he go out, the big crowd, the big program? Hey, Jesus is on tour. Let's go see him in Jericho. Then he's on to Jerusalem. <laughs> Let's video him so we can shoot that video around. That's our Western mind. That's what we as evangelicals have done in America. You know what? That is not Jesus' primary task for the people of God. Jesus, what did he do? He primarily one-on-one. He loved you. He saved you. He met you where you were. God is a God who created you in His image. You are an individual. He loves you as His child. And He wants you to love others that way. Jesus put His face on people He ministered to. He wasn't depersonalized. Everything in our culture right now, dehumanizing the process, desensitizing the process, and it's creeping into the church where we think, wow, we'll just go out and and pump a bunch of godly stuff out on the internet and everything. And folks, use it, Right? But you know what? If we don't do this, we miss the very command of God. Go make disciples. Get in people's face. Focus on the face in front of you. Be 100% radically present with the person in front of you. Do not set your stupid phone on the table when you're meeting with somebody. That person in front of you is more important than any call. You might, ah, there's exceptions, emergency, right? Right? We have lost our ability to focus, be fully present for God to do something in the face to face. This is why the command, and we got to learn this, right? Online church is an oxymoron. Take it to the bank, you'll find it nowhere in Scripture. The command is, is Hebrews chapter 10 do not forsake gathering together. Do not, because you will not stand if you don't have face to face fellowship. This is how the house of God works. And folks, this is just one picture of how radical it is, whether in John's day or in the Roman persecution, the church gathered because they knew the face-to-face, but breaking bread together, seeing each other's face, the personal idea of the Spirit of God working in that is what radically makes a community, right? It's how the Holy Spirit moves primarily. in the lie of the dehumanizing everything. Look what's going on. Look what's happened to the church. Look how dehumanized we've made the process Right? In in this whole thing. Face to face. Is how Jesus ministered. That's how the church is, is to minister to. In this process. To be ministers. Messengers of hope. To worry about the one. Worry about the one. Love the one. That God puts in front of you. Don't be distracted by. Oh who's all out there on my like system. Look what the social media has done. It has eroded the quality and depth of relationship. It has sold you a lie. Right. That you can just be out there. And pump some things out there. And and have all these. No you cannot. It will be superficial. And it will create in your world a busyness. That just sucks you into a technological lie. Rather than the glorious nerve, the big story of what God, y'all come on up, that God is doing in this world. And so church, I I just say, look, we got to get right on some of this thing. Hebrews 10, right? Let's not take it lightly. Gather, do not forsake. And folks, that, that means no matter what comes our way, no matter persecution, no matter plague, the church never stopped gathering. Could be large, could be small, whatever. But you've got to have face-to-face fellowship. And not only that, but you, God calls you to minister that way to others. right? To love people, to truly love someone. And can you imagine if you're dating you know, the woman or the man that you're about to marry and you come to the you know, dating process and you've got your phones on the table? How do you ever learn to, to just be there and relax and let God be a part of something beautiful? Face-to-face fellowship, right? I had a real graphic image, but I'm not going to go there. But uh, (laughs) think about it. Think about intimacy. Face-to-face. Giving each other to each other, right? That's what God wants to do. And we have to recover that if we're going to be messengers, right, of, of hope. So, Father, we just worship you and... Lord, um, teach us. Let these things sink into our soul. Awaken us, Lord, to the glory of what you've done, Lord, what you're doing. And let us be that people, Lord. Captivate us, Lord, with your love and your, your, your glorious story that we're, you invite us into to make sense of all this. Lord, save us. Save us out of this, this lie. Lord, that we might be that face, that person, Lord. Lord, to to speak a message of hope. Lord, to people who are just lost and struggling, hungry for answers, Lord, that the world doesn't have. Lord, teach us what it is to weep. Truly, Lord, to lay our anger down. God, this is in your hands. Just rest. So just take a moment here before we close and come to the table and ask the Lord to captivate you. Maybe fresh and new again with the gospel, how much he loves you, what he's done for you. It's in him you have peace. It's in him you have an eternal life in him you can trust with all the details moving forwards so with him you can trust take care of your fears your concerns your worries your anxiety it's in him it's in Jesus all things make sense you're not left in confusion just take a deep breath settle your soul on Him. The one who loves your soul. The one who will never let go. And finally, just take a moment and I know for all of us that we probably have people, maybe people we don't even know, but that we're angry at. That we despise because of what they're doing or what they believe. Stick a moment as those people come to your mind. Ask the Lord to change your heart to weep for them and to be a messenger of hope into their life, to lay your anger down.